All right, and that is as much as I can play of that song legally before I'm sure Kenny Loggins will try and whoop my ass. Uh, for all of you folks listening, this is the Smoke Shack Podcast. I am your host, Specialist Rogan, your favorite chubby little E4. Uh, today I have a special guest. He is from the Air Force. That's right. The Army's taxi service, the ones that we call in whenever we need uh, warheads on foreheads, and pretty much the people that... Yeah, in the military, we'll make fun of them, but deep down inside, we really wish we were them. Bringing him on, Mr. Patterson, how are you today? Doing good. How about yourself? I am doing fantastic besides the things that we previously discussed. <laughs> Fair enough. So, uh, first off, thank you for coming on. Uh, it is always a pleasure having uh, guests come on. Oh, it, great opportunity. Once a uh, base told me about him and started checking out your podcast, and it was a, thought it was a really, really cool thing. Oh, thank you. So, starting off, uh, you know base. Uh, did you guys grow up together in Alaska, or we did? Both our parents were in the Coast Guard, so we grew up from a uh, god elementary school, and uh, we went. Yeah, we grew up in it all the way through high school, and then after high school. Uh, couple of other friends went off to the military right after high school we decided that we want to do something else so we both actually went to a school up in the mainland um a vocational school so you know we weren't smart enough to get into college so we thought we'd go that route um, <laughs> so we went up to uh seward alaska for a year and uh we spent most of the partying i ended up dropping out and uh figured i needed to join the military to keep my dad from beating my ass so uh that's ended up how it ended up in the Air Force. <laughs> Jesus. What were you in a vocational school for, if you don't mind uh, me asking? I was asking. going for, for uh, automotive. Oh, okay. Uh, it was a it was attendance based, so like I knew how to do everything, but since I never showed up, I, I couldn't get certified. <laughs> so I was like, oh, if I uh, tell my dad that, he'll pull up and just beat the shit out of me. So, um, yeah, showing yeah. up's important. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, how can I get out of this? Oh, I'll tell him I'm going to join the military. He'll be stoked. <laughs> was he? Uh, yeah, yeah. He, he was, uh, the, it was definitely, um, they were caught off guard because they are uh, like, you said you didn't want to go the military route. And I'm like, hey, changed my mind. <laughs> so, uh, yep. After that, did a short stint. They uh, came up, packed all my shit up, went back to Kodak Island for uh, a few months before, um, before uh, the whole MEPS process and all that. And, I left Anchorage in, God, it was December, I think, in Anchorage. It was like negative 30 in uh, 2007. And then I showed Jesus. up at San Antonio, Texas, and it was like 87 degrees in the middle of the night when I got off the plane. It's like, I'm going to fucking die. Wait, so you went from very, very cold to uh, <laughs> mildly, almost, you know, hot temperature. Yeah, where I am now, I'm like, oh, man, I would take 87 tomorrow. But, yeah, definitely it was a uh, culture shock. I never spent much time in the lower 48. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Yeah, so, I've... yeah it, was, it was pretty funny. When the first first week or two of a of boot camp, I'd be, they'd be sitting there, like, screaming, like, why are you sweating so much? What are you doing? Like, I'm from Alaska. Like, oh, get him, get him some water. Get him some water. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, I, I lost about... I want to say, I think it's 26 pounds in the first four weeks of basic. <laughs> Holy crap. So, yeah, it was a, 
definitely a uh, culture shock. So yeah, was, and boot camp was a. I, I don't think we got the uh, the same route. Our uh, we call them TIs, training instructors. Our TI was uh, we were his first flight, and he just transferred over from uh, Marines to Air Force. Oh. So I'm all expecting, you know, okay, Air Force is the easiest one, and this dude is grabbing our shit, throwing it at us, picking people up, throwing them, kicking them. I'm like, this is not, this is not whatever he was telling me the Air Force was going to be like. <laughs> this is not the uh, fine dining experience I wanted. Yeah, I was like, this is, this is, uh, you know, we we can deal with this, but uh, this is not what everyone was making it up to be. <laughs> We were also his last flight. <laughs> oh, I'm not sure what they sent him to do after, but uh, I didn't really hear much after that. <clears throat> so, not going to lie, I did have a buddy who was a uh, prior service uh, Air Force that branched over to the Army, and he told me the same thing, and I was also like, oh, I, I honestly did think that you guys had it much, much better than us. Now you're telling me, not really. Yeah, and, and I mean, honestly, it seems to be case-by-case case basis because, you know, after, you know, you get to your first duty station, you start talking to other people in the barracks and stuff, and, you know, you're like, wow, man, they had it easy. What the hell? So it uh, definitely, it varies. <laughs> <laughs> so where did you go? Is it called basic? What, what What's exactly yeah, it's called? It's called basic training. Oh. Camp, but the, the correct term for Air Force is basic training. Um, so I went there to San Antonio, Texas. Um, after that for... Uh, well, I guess when I, my career choice, uh, when I got to Anchorage for MEPS, I was like, I want EOD. You know, I wanted to do Marines, decided not to until my, my mom found out. And I was like, oh, well, then fuck the military if I can't go Marines. So then fast forward ahead, and I'm like, you know what, I'm going to do EOD. And they're like, okay, you want to do EOD? EOD? Cool. So uh, we're going through that process, and then they, uh, my recruiter starts laughing, and then he calls one of the other recruiters over, and they start laughing. And I'm like, okay, uh, what's going on? It's like, yeah, we can't give you the security clearance for EOD. And I was like, why? He's like, well, you have indecent exposure on your record. We can't give you the security clearance for uh, for that. Okay. What does that have to do with bombs? <laughs> <laughs> what is, I mean, the, well, the whole reason behind it was uh, when, of course, we were all in high school. Um, we, uh, you know, we're on an island in Alaska. There's not much to do but drink and do dumb shit. In the summers, the sun doesn't go down, so it's pretty much just... You know, free range Mad Max. <laughs> so uh, we were ended up. Long story short, we ended up uh, at a fight at the end of a dirt road, and I was not wearing pretty much anything. And our buddy who was in the, our buddy who was in the Marines, well, he was there too, and it was like four on fucking eight. And it was yeah, it was a huge brawl, and then people got like holes punched in their lip and shit. So it ended up being like the cops started, the cops got involved because we ended up having to go to the hospital. And, uh, so it became a thing in the official report, and that's I got charged with east exposure and all that bullshit. So uh, that's, apparently that affects security clearances. Fun fact. That is beautiful. I am so <laughs> glad that I learned this. Oh my god. Uh, I don't recommend fighting on a gravel road with nothing, um, but uh, you know shit happens. So. Oh, God! So I no, wish I would have grown up in Alaska. <laughs> it sounds awesome. It's a very different lifestyle after I uh, came down here and spent some time. That's for sure. Uh, but uh, so then there's like, okay, well, what else do you want to do? And I was like, that's kind of really all I wanted to do. I'm like, well, you want to be a cop? I was like, no. Said, well, you want to work on airplanes? And I was like, hey, you know what? Yeah, that, I mean, that sounds cool. Work on airplanes. 
So uh, when I was a little kid, the F-15 was my favorite airplane. He's like, oh, yeah, F-15, sure, you can work on F-15s. And I was like, oh, cool, hell yeah. So that's what uh, that's how I ended up being uh, what we call in the Air Force's pointy heads, avionics. Mm. Uh, we're the people everyone hates because our equipment that uh, tests all the electronics has to be in 72 degrees or cooler. So even if you're deployed in fucking Bagram, Afghanistan, like you have an air-conditioned case band so you can run your test equipment. <laughs> Jesus. So, so it, it was a pretty good gig. <laughs> so for all of us who don't know our aircraft, uh which one is the F fifteen? So the F fifteen, um we have a ton of them. We've had them forever. They've been our pretty much main combat fighter for the last probably twenty years. They are dual they have the uh dual tail so you have f-16s which we call lawn darts the single uh, single tail one engine the f-15s are the dual tail with two engines okay um, we i worked on the e variant which is the two-seater you have the whiz on the back the weapons control officer and uh he's the one that it's basically a bomber but looks like a fighter <laughs> so if you uh get a lot of air support it was mostly if it wasn't a10 there was a good chance it was probably an f-15e hmm but, uh, yeah, they, 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 they had the normalizing of dropping bombs on people. Like, they would do the thing where you'd uh, you'd go buy a flag at, you know, the BX when you're deployed, and, and you'd pay $25, and then they would, like, write, they'd print out a tag with all the payload that they just dropped on somebody, and, and ha they'd have your flag at the cockpit, and they flew it over, so you'd get a cool little, like, certificate and flag to take home to your parents. <laughs> oh, drop two, you know, 2,000-pound bombs. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, weird stuff. I, All right. I may I may or may not have feel them, but <laughs> Alright, so basic Texas you got done. Uh so after basic, where did you uh end up uh going for your first duty station? So the first half of the tech school was I'm trying to recall here three four three months for electronic principles. So that's like learning how electricity works and Actually, it goes so far in depth of shit you'll never use, kind of like high school algebra, like resistors and how to do all this and all the formulas and stuff. And, and I couldn't tell you off the top of my head ever again. But, um, and you know, typical A school, you're sleep deprived anyway. So I'm like, I don't know how I was remembering this shit. But that was in Keesler, Mississippi, right after Katrina hit. So we weren't allowed off base. We weren't allowed to do anything. The base was tore up. <laughs> So it was a it was a fun experience, but uh, Keesler was really relaxed with the rules because you're still in training, so you're still kind of treated as a uh, it's like the middle ground between basic training and op and uh, operational. So they're still kind of dicks to you, and, but Keesler was really relaxed. Like the the instructors were just cool and talking to you and bullshit and stuff, and so we kind of got lulled in this false sense of security. <laughs> the second half of our tech school, we had to go back to Shepherd, Texas. And that was like straight up back to basic training. You were being screamed at. You're being. You're doing blood boxes in the fucking training room. Like, <laughs> like this is not what what happened. Like, the first thing we got off the bus, and they were like, "This isn't Camp Keesler anymore." And we're like, "Oh, this is gonna suck, isn't it?" <laughs> so, it's actually like you get to work with the the test stations that you're gonna be using when you reach operational. So it has all your your bays to test all the displays and all the countermeasure units and all the, the secret squirrel stuff. Um, after that, uh, this was back before, you know, phones had that cool map function and stuff. So I, I printed out my map quest and uh, <laughs> drove, I had a 2007 Corolla and I drove from 
Shepard Air Force Base in Texas to uh, Goldsboro, North Carolina. I've never been on a highway in my life. I don't know exits. I don't know any of this shit. And I'm sitting here with fucking like 16 pages of map quest instructions. <laughs> oh. It was a fucking disaster. Like, <laughs> I'm so but, uh, glad you're showing your age because I'm sure a lot of people are like, what? What do you mean you yeah, crimped you off? out your directions? <laughs> yeah, you have no fucking idea. <laughs> my dad had the uh, big old roadmap atlas that he'd oh, yeah. be looking oh, yeah. at. My dad still has it, I'm sure. I'm like, you know, I mean, come on. You literally have everything on your phone in the middle of Alaska. Come on. What you are you going to do when that okay, phone's not you're working? Right, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> so I show, up, uh, I show up to Goldsboro, and, you know, after Shepard, you're back into, like, basic mode. So it's, like, reporting statements and fucking everywhere, everything's attention and parade rest and stuff. And I show up to uh, the shop, and there's not a single window in this building. And I'm like, what the fuck? And they're like... You, because you're dealing with confidential frequencies that nobody has any idea what to do with anyway. But apparently it's a big deal. So basically like key door entries, like you have to be on the list to get in the, in the building and there's no windows, there's no nothing. I'm like, that sucks. So <laughs> I walk into the uh, our flight chief's uh, office and step in there and at attention, you know, you're brand new, fresh out. My, this is back when you still had like polish your boots and you're still wearing BDUs and shit. So, like, you know, my uniform's all ironed and crisp and my, my boots freshly waxed with, you know, my cotton balls and the lighter and stuff. <laughs> and the first thing this dude says to me is, are you gay? <laughs> and I'm uh, <laughs> I'm still in basic mode. I'm like, no, sir. He's like, have you ever sucked a dick? <laughs> no, sir. He's like, well, how do you know uh, you don't like it? So I'm saying, I have, <laughs> my mind is going a thousand miles an hour, like, what in the fuck is going on? Am I, am I about to get my mouth fucked? Like, what's happening here? <laughs> and uh, then he's like, oh, fuck with me. Would you sit on the couch and relax? So I'm like, uh, you know, finally then you, you start getting broken in that, you know, okay, you're an operational now. It's a little bit more chill. And after uh, making plenty of friends across several branches, I've, I've noticed the, uh, the Air Force's basically like college like there's no formations unless somebody fucks up there's no you know gi parties unless somebody fucks up there's no anything it's basically just like college you go to the barracks and we lived in quads so it was uh, like three stories and it was quads so you'd walk in you had your center room with the like tiny little kitchen then you had four rooms in each corner you each had your own bathroom so it was like the living conditions are way better than what i've heard from other bases so it wasn't a wasn't a bad deal. You know, we had a couple people, you know, wake other uh, airmen up with fire extinguishers. So then we're out front at four in the morning with uh, our blues on getting inspected by the commander. But other than that, it was basically just like college. All you do is drink and party and go to work. Um, a lot of us drank at work and nobody really cared. But I know they're uh, a little more. They've cracked down on that a lot. <laughs> Damn, that sounds fun. Yeah, I mean, we'd we'd stop at the uh, the shop and you know get the little airplane bottles of vodka, and you'd get a couple monsters, and you just you know take a couple of sips of that monster. When the, this is when the monster rehab just came out, so you pour like the little uh, airplane vodkas in there, and you didn't even you can't smell the alcohol, you can't taste it. And you just sit at work for twelve hours, <laughs> and uh, that ended for us when our uh, we had our chief come over across the street, and somebody let him in, and we didn't know it, and yeah. 
I guess he had a monster. He set it down in our midst of monsters, and I guess he grabbed someone else's, and he was like, is there fucking vodka in here? Uh, no, oh, chief. Awesome. And he's like, I'm coming back in ten minutes. All of this shit should be gone. So as soon as he ended, we're fucking pouring everything down the drain, throwing it out. Everyone there got paperwork, so fun times. But other than that, it was really nothing else. Pretty normal shit once we, uh, once you reached senior airman, or what was the other stipulation? Senior airman, or you've been in, I can't remember, it's been so long, a certain amount of time, and uh, you can move off base, you know, BH, BAS, all that good stuff. So as soon as, uh, as soon as that, that, that uh, landmark hit, me and my buddy were like, we're out. We rented apartment, you know, did the usual, we were party central, you know. All we do is go to work, go home, and party all day, every day. You know, no responsibilities, no cares, no nothing. I want you to know that I am already regretting some of my life choices. <laughs> uh, it's it's because uh, like our uh, bases and my really good friend. He was Marines, Marines through and through, and. Uh, yeah, he tells us about his his living conditions, even stateside. Like he was in Hawaii, and he's like, and I'm like, dude, that sounds horrible. <laughs> my uh, yeah. my uncle, he retired uh, Air Force. And I think he finished off at uh, I think it was like the equivalent of your guys's uh, E8 or so, mm-hmm. which I'm not sure which uh, rank that is. E8 would be senior master sergeant. That sounds about right. Uh, he E five staff, E six tech, E seven master, E eight is senior master. So you only got one more rank after that, and you're not getting any higher. <laughs> he uh, he was stationed out of uh, whichever base it is that's in St. Louis. St. Louis. And I remember growing up, and uh, we got to go and visit his base. And I remember sitting there thinking, man this is a cool place there's like really fit well groomed looking people you know not at all what i was imagining the military to look like (laughs) his house was like nice had a basement and i was like man this is nice and then going into the army because at that time he would have had to have been like an e7 because he didn't retire for like years after that (laughs) and i remember going to like my NCOs homes and seeing theirs at that equivalency rank and thinking back to what he had and I was just like man the Air Force (laughs) really does have it better (laughs) he had a two story home for his kids with a basement meanwhile my sergeant first class he stayed in a like one story like you know (laughs) Maybe twelve hundred foot home. I say base made double wides. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and oh, I think the other thing was is they had like a uh, at the time whenever it was getting big, like the uh, family video and blockbusters and stuff, like right down the street from his place. And I thought that was legit. <laughs> but no, like blockbuster. Oh, blockbuster. <laughs> so yeah, just thinking back to that, I'm just like, man. I should have gone Air Force. I would have been probably a tiny bit happier. And then you're telling me that you can, you were sitting there like buzzed working on aircraft. Like, come on. 
Yeah, they're like, oh, we're gonna do incentive flights. I'm like, you can count me the fuck out. I'm not getting on a plane. I know, I know who's worked on them. <laughs> we party with props. I don't trust those engines. We party with egress. I wouldn't. Par- I don't trust those ejection seats. Like, <laughs> all right. So, you get to uh, North Carolina, north or south? North. North Carolina. Okay. Just making sure I had the right Carolina. Or people get angry. So, so I mean, south south is definitely nicer than north, but uh, yeah, I was there. I was in North Carolina my entire enlisted. I used to volunteer for deployments just to get a fucking break of it. Oh, perfect, because that's what we're about to get into next. <laughs> we'll do air quotation deployments. <laughs> so, how long after you got to uh, the North Carolina base? Uh, remind me again what that base was called, so I can uh, look it up and be jealous. Well, you're not going to be jealous because I actually had, <laughs> when I when we graduated uh, tech school, I had orders to England. And I my dumbass listened to my buddy, and he was like, dude, North Carolina is right next to the beach. We'll just go to the beach every week, and we'll party at the beach, dude. Come on, you'll fucking love it. So I literally traded my orders <laughs> for fucking North Carolina. I'm yeah. sorry, you traded your orders? Yep. Yep, the United Kingdom, I was, that's where I was supposed to go to Lake and Heath, and then uh, I was like, hey, my fucking buddy convinced me, he was like, dude, North Carolina is the shit, he's like, I lived, I lived about an hour away from there, he's like, it's tits, it's the best place to be, and he talked this place up, we landed, and by the, for, after the first week, where you do the, like, like the in-briefing, you know, get to the base, you know, don't, don't go down this street, you'll get shot, don't go over here, um, yeah, I, I'd beat the living shit out of him. <laughs> I would have too. But, uh, yeah, I, I, that fucker, that fucker, well, we, we went through quite a bit through tech school. There was a, once we hit Shepard, there was, we have phases in tech school, um, which I don't know if you guys have for a, call it a school for you guys' tech school, like training school. Uh, well, we were special case. We were, uh, what's called OSET, one station unit training. So I spent all 16 weeks in, uh, Fort Benning, but we did have phases, uh, AIT though, from what I've heard, does AIT work differently. Okay. I'm not sure uh, if AIT they still do phases just because everyone else has, well, actual AIT. You yeah. know, they get to go and live somewhat. Meanwhile, like after our nine weeks of basic training, it was just, <laughs> well, you're still staying here for another, you know, seven, and we're sorry about your luck. <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna make sure as hell. So uh, once we got like you reach the top phase, you're allowed to go off base. So of course we live in strip club, and it's off like Shepherd is not a, a not a nice town. <laughs> it's a shithole. I don't know how many times we'd be sneaking back into base, and I'd literally be chasing this fucker. He gets drunk and he's what we call him a runner. He gets drunk and he's just gone. Like you're chasing him all over, you know, the commander's grass and shit, and like <laughs> wrestling him. And like we had to put him like to get him back to like the fucking barracks would be like arm bars for half a mile just to get him to go somewhere. Like, we went through some shit. He was my boy. <laughs> but after he convinced me to fucking twitch that, I was like, I'm gonna kill you. <laughs> Jesus. I figured out the uh, sound issue. Oh, that's good. All right, well, now we don't have to worry about that. <laughs> so, you get there. How long after uh, you arrived at your uh, 
base, did you finally get your uh, first taste of a deployment? Oh, shit. Okay, so I landed in that base, I'd say August 2007. Yeah, August 2007. I would say... Oh, God, was it that? No. Yeah, it wasn't where I got there. It was, the, it was the following year, so 2008. I want to say it was fall of 2008 when I got my first deployment. And that was uh, that was volunteer. Like they said, it was TCN duty, so you don't even go for your job. <laughs> so I was just like, you know what? I, I need out of this place for a little while. So they told me, oh, yeah, it's great, dude. You just go there. And you're just TCN duty. You're just babysitting. You, you, everything's all your money's tax-free. Just come back and you just have a bunch of money. So I was like, yeah, that sounds great. Fuck it. What's TCN? So, yeah. So I uh, ended up going to Qatar for about eight months for uh, TCN duty, which is just, you know, they, for some reason, trust you with a truck. So we all like, depending what job site you get that day and which people you have to babysit, you may have a truck, you may not. And they give you radios and you sit in the fucking hundred plus degree weather watching people literally not work. Like they lay there, they make little shelters and lay there. Like, I don't know what they were paying them to do, but <laughs> so that, I mean, that's what we did. <laughs> you just watch people go out of their way to not work. Um, okay, so I haven't was, done that. Yeah, I mean, they, <laughs> it wasn't even a deployment, honestly. Like, I mean, the uh, the base over there is, I mean, it's got everything. They're, they do, like, pool parties. It was closed because there was somebody with an STD that was floating around there. So, like, the pool was closed our whole first deployment. But um, they had pools, you know, there's, like, little shopettes and, and little eateries. There's, like, a pizza hut and stuff on base. And there's the uh, big place that everyone's hang, hangs out. It's called the Bra. It's two giant tents so it looks like a bra and you could have three drinks so it could be three shots three beers whatever so people would you know like not eat all day and they go pound three shots just try and get buzzed uh, you could well if you if you get caught you get an article 15 but if you don't you can sell your drinks you know you know people will pay dumb amounts of money for one beer <laughs> an extra beer a fourth beer <laughs> uh. so i made a, i made a pretty good side business of selling my drinks <laughs> <laughs> people don't understand economics until they join the military and you will find out how inflation works <laughs> truer words have never been spoken <laughs> so Qatar the what? I said so Qatar that was the first place you went to yep Man. we uh yeah there was a Ford deployment in there well, you know, that was my second appointment, never mind. Yeah, that was TCN duty, so that was nothing but uh, chilling. And, I mean, you're you're getting up to no good because you're uh, TCN rotations, so they're between six- to nine-month deployments, and people are rotating in every, every three weeks, I think it is, two or three weeks. So you have, like, fresh people to work for with, and it could be anybody across all career fields. Like, any career field could sign up for TCN duty. You could be finance, you could be security forces, you could be anything. So you get to work with pretty much everybody. So it was pretty cool. Then you, you always have a fresh supply of women coming in and out. <laughs> so it was uh, definitely not not a bad uh, deployment. Definitely, I wouldn't consider even a deployment. I just want you to know there's probably a lot of uh, 
other branch vets listening that are probably like, I'm going to kill this fucker whenever I see him. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Once, once I told our uh, base nice friend, Brian, it's like he's like, that's where we go for R and R. I'm like, yeah, that was my whole deployment, man. <laughs> like, I fucking hate you. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, well, I had nine months of R and R, so. Oh, uh... <laughs> uh, the new title of this video is just going to be "Recruiting for the Air Force." <laughs> <laughs> I will say it's changed a lot, but <laughs> uh, the Air Force definitely did that drastic uh, woke change crap. Well, a few of my buddies who I still talk to, they're still in. Most got out, but uh, some they're still in. They're like, "Yeah, dude, this is it's like this is not the Air Force I'm proud of being in." He's like, "This, it's getting so PC and so." He's like, "It's just bad." Like, <laughs> so it's like I, I'm I'm not uh, regretting that I'm not in anymore. That's for sure. I am actually trying to get on a uh, deployment right now, and due to the. Uh vaccine mandates and the fact that i come from a uh, very 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 red state as far as the uh, military members go Uh, a lot of them are not getting the vaccine so they have a few uh, combat slots open and i'm really hoping enough people decided screw the vaccine so i can get the fun combat position because the guard (laughs) you get to choose uh, how you want to go on a deployment if you either want to be a office bitch or if you want to be doing like some other job as long as you remotely qualify for it you can uh, volunteer oh that's cool so i'm i'm hoping that when that list comes out for the volunteers i can snag something fun hell yeah i didn't know that i didn't know you could do that that's cool oh yeah i didn't know that either until they told me they were like hey uh they're uh we have a deployment coming up uh eventually we're gonna need volunteers uh if you want to go, let us know. And I was like, immediately, uh, it was, uh, so for the guard, we Ooh, had a, me, uh, me, pick me yeah. <laughs> for the guard, our like secondary commander, I guess is what you would call him. It's very weird rank wise, but he, uh, <laughs> he's the major directly underneath our, uh, Colonel. And he, I guess he still has like a lot of pull. I mean, he is a major, but I mean, more pull than I would have thought. And yeah. I was telling him, I was like... <laughs> He's pulling that lieutenant colonel or colonel level pull. <laughs> yeah. And I was telling him, I was like, you know, I came back from being a scout. I just branched over to being engineers, but if you happen to have anything... And then he told me about the deployment, how there's like combat jobs opening up for this deployment. And I was like, sir... Yes, please. And then he tried to also be like, actually, I can transfer you to a combat unit. I was like, ah, no, no. Okay. I want to go and have fun, but whenever I'm back in the States, I would like to do fun engineering things, not doing dumb infantry (laughs) cavalry I don't want you to actually put me back in there. I just want to tag along with them. (laughs) Uh, So, you go to Qatar, apparently have a very good time. Oh, yeah, it was a great time. (laughs) You come back, uh, how long until, what, your uh, second deployment then? Uh, second deployment, I had to get paperwork for bypassing my dwell time so I could hurry up and deploy again. Um, so I deployed, God, we got back, it was, we left fall, we got back in summer, and I was gone by October, so I think I had 
um, like less than two months home station before I deployed again. Uh, what is the uh, required dwell time uh, for people uh, who don't know? 90 days, three months, I think. Don't quote me, but I'm pretty sure it's 90 days. Damn. You can just turn around like that? Pretty sure. Like I said, I may be completely wrong, but I'm pretty sure it's 90 days. It's 90 days or six months. I can't remember. Either I know I had to go way. run around to get shit bypassed. Damn. Seriously, this entire actually new title for the episode. I regret all my decisions. <laughs> all right. Uh, so your second deployment, where did you uh, end up going? So that was also right back to Qatar. Um, God damn it, I hate you. Yeah, short stint in Bagram um, and then back. So just forward and back because our planes would – we took – which I'm probably not even supposed to say the quantity. We didn't take many jets with us over there. Um, and then we would take just a handful to Bagram, and that's where they would deploy out of usually to assist in combat operations. Like, Qatar was kind of like, you know, the home away from home, and then you'd go to Bagram, and that, that would be their, their fob that they would leave out of go do shady shit. Um, so whenever, like, parts would break and stuff, like, they would usually send them from Bagram, and then we'd repair them and send them back. But uh, so I was in Qatar again, short stint in Bagram and back. And I mean, it's another cake life. They, this time I actually got to live in a, uh, well, it was kind of like a little, a, a hard structure. There was like, it was like a double wide that they like glued together. <laughs> um, so like you, it was like you would open, it was just like one super long hallway and there'd be a door on each side, door on each side, door on each side, all the way down. And you'd open the door and there'd be two bunk beds on the right, two bunk beds on the left. And then, you know, there's four people in this nine by nine room but hey i mean it's better than ten <laughs> so we actually got hard structures this time so that was sweet um they were working on the wi-fi so we actually had kind of like dial-up connection level wi-fi there so that was kind of cool <laughs> so you know the the meat was getting to be quite a bit in those uh, trailers but but oh yeah just business as usual Parting up this time, uh, this deployment, and up uh, found out that there there's three sections of the base, and one of them is um, ops, ops town. That's where everyone you know obviously works, usually operational. So, uh, but you know, IUD is the joint base, so you have everyone there: Australians, Canadians, like UK, everybody's there. So I end up making really good friends with the uh, Brits because the Brits have their own bar that doesn't have a limit on drinks, and you can only be invited there. So, uh, once I found that out, that's when the fun began. <laughs> uh, but, yep, it was still not like a, a deployment. But the Ford's in Bagram was the, my first time exposure to mortars. Like, what they don't tell you is, like, that nobody ever gets hit. <laughs> so, like, your first time being rounded and, you, you know, the alarm or the fucking siren goes off. You're like... You're freaking out, and everyone around you is just like standing there staring at you. You're like, I'm like, what are you doing? Like, we gotta find, like, dude, they never hit anybody. Calm down. I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, there are mortars coming. And you're like, dude, chill out. Calm down. Don't worry. <laughs> and then I realize it's like commonplace things. <laughs> like, what? Like, this is just normally, yeah, dude, they never hit anything. Don't worry about it. Oh. So they always learn that they make fun of them, they get a good kick out of the new guys. But still, even Bagram still had its own little food shops and the pools. I mean, even Bagram's not really a 
deployment deployment <laughs> i was gonna say if i remember right i think that's where uh base went after his uh incident that he had uh his uh first deployment as i think he had to go and recover at bagram yep most likely that's usually kind of the go-to area if you can't make it to, uh, the qatar one so I was going to say, so I know for a lot of people, they don't, they have their job, at least for us, but then when they go to like either train or go to deployment, they don't actually get to do their job sometimes. How often did you actually get to do uh, your job uh, doing maintenance and stuff like that? Uh, We don't share that. I've heard that a lot with, uh, with army Marines that like, you know, you, you, this is your job and like, okay, you're here. We need you to fill this spot. Um, that isn't a thing in the air force as far as I know. Um, so the, the only time I deployed and didn't do my job was TCN duty. So two deployments as avionics bag shop. And then one deployment is four or five babysitter with a radio. I can think of moment spent two weeks there and then came back to Qatar and hung out there for the, the rest of the deployment. That deployment was only like eight months, I think. Okay. Uh, sorry about the uh, little brief interruption, folks. Uh, had to go address a situation, uh, but we're uh, continuing. <laughs> Moving forward. Moving forward, hopefully. But yeah, we. Uh, so you uh, doing your job and everything uh, while you're in uh, Bagram. Yep, and then back to uh, Qatar and continue. And over there, it's 12-hour shifts, so you do six days on, one day off. Um, so you just have a day and a night shift. You're just swapping out with the same guys. And that's why most people hate us. We have one of the only air-conditioned shops on there because the equipment used to work on all the displays and all the counter set, uh, counter uh, measure sets, and we work on the radar equipment and all that. So it all has to be under 72 degrees, so it's always like 68, 69 degrees. <laughs> Okay. So you'd often see the uh, uh, upper management walking through. They always hang out in our shop. It's like, God, just go somewhere. Because back home we have got 100 and 120 jets or something to keep to try and keep together. And when we deploy, we have a single digit number. So it's like work is pretty slow. <laughs> So, I mean, it's the chow hall is right next to you in Ops Town, so you just go eat. The gym's right next to it, so you just do a complete rotation of eat, gym, eat, gym, then go back and go to sleep. <laughs> so, it's really the fucking life. <laughs> Man, I know a lot of people are just going to be <laughs> so angry. <laughs> no, I mean, you're making it sound awesome. Like, I wish, like... Oh, it was. I, I volunteered for all my deployments. Because they, they have like a certain amount. They're like, okay, we need we need six six people to go for that slot. And then, you know, they'd have the people like, okay, these are the six people we picked. But, you know, if you wanted to go and as long as it was like rank appropriate, you could, like, I can't be like, oh, I'll take the master sergeant spot. Like, they're going to be like, no, fuck off, kid. <laughs> but as long as your rank and, and your uh, knowledge was on par, you could swap with people. And I was always like, are you sure you want to deploy for, you know, eight, nine months? I'll take your spot. Someone always would give it up. <laughs> I mean, good tax-free money, of course. Oh, God, I had nothing. I, my first serious relationship was uh, 
when I married my wife about five years ago. <laughs> so, yeah, I never had anything tying me down. Hopefully you saved all that money. Uh, yeah, no, I didn't. <laughs> we, um, our, uh, my, my recreational activities when I was home was uh, money intensive, that's for sure. Oh, man, Air Force sounds like the life. It, I mean, honestly, the only, that's the one thing. It's like, I didn't really, I mean, it's just the same bullshit. Like when, uh, they, God, who was it? I think uh, our buddy Brian showed me a video where they were like, you know, the video where he's like, the Marines are a cult and like uh, the Air Force is a corporation. Like that is a very good description. Air Force is a fucking corporation. <laughs> All when you're... E six and E five and below, I would say it's just like college. And once you get in the upper echelons, you're it's like a business job, kind of like a business management almost type thing. Pretty much. Yeah, I could see that. So let's address some of the what could be called myths of the Air Force. That I'm sure Ooh, people I love these ones. Them. All right, <laughs> defects. Is it true? You guys had steak and lobster. Wednesdays was steak and lobster night, yes. You say Wednesdays as in that was a recurring, not every once in a while. No, every Wednesday was uh, steak and lobster. Jesus Christ. Yep. I mean, and and I'm not, not that I'm saying like, oh yeah, it's not, not as great as it sounds. Like it's, you know, you know, it's military grade steak, but hey, steak and steak, we were excited. <laughs> I mean, we had, we ever watched the show Scrubs, the Steak Night song? Like we had, we sang that every Wednesday. Jesus, <laughs> I know what you're talking about, too. <laughs> oh. uh, let's see here. What's another uh, so-called myth? Uh, obviously, you've already addressed that your guys' bases, even when deployed, are nicer. Uh, ours was the, the Seymour Johnson was it's nicknamed the Shady J. It's probably one of the top three shittiest bases in the Air Force rotation. It still has a golf course on it. Oh my god! Like is it, I think it's eight, I think it's eighteen holes, nine or eighteen. I can't remember, but it is yeah, it's a full golf course, and it's actually decent. I'm not a golfer. I'm fucking horrible. But they asked for volunteers, like, "Oh, we got a golf tournament, so you get like free day off." And there's beer carts to drive around. All the girls are always cute, so you take them home. You know, it's, it was an awesome setup. <laughs> uh, as far as like uh, working with the jets and everything, how like how awesome is it actually getting to be like being in front of working on this like hundreds of millions of dollars worth of a uh, technology and research and equipment to like put into this one flying thing that defies the laws of physics it's probably only flying off bird shit duct tape <laughs> no it, it it was cool where we stateside we're pretty separated from it um all your back shops are separated around base so you're not on the flight line unfortunately when you're deployed all the case man so all your ammo guys all your props guys all your avionics guys all of our case mans are literally on the flight line so on deployed when we're deployed like it's pretty cool because you just open the front door and there's a fucking b1 taking off like 40 feet from you like it's shaking your fucking lungs out of your mouth but uh, so deployment's cool stateside we don't really get to see much of it mm. is there so in the army we have a lot of different rivalries you know we have 
tankers and cav and infantry, like everyone just trying to fight with each other. Is that the same yeah. with the aircraft guys, like A-10s? There is. F-15s? You have, uh, I mean, maintenance in general has a huge rift with non-maintenance. Like everyone, so all your finance, your NPF, your uh, security forces, your med group, all of them, like we just call them non-honors, non-maintenance. So that's just their title, non-honors. For some reason, they find it really offensive and I don't really get it. It doesn't sound offensive, but um, that's the that's like the main rivalry between maintenance and non-maintenance. Um, internal rivalries. Nobody likes ammo. Everyone everyone calls them knuckle draggers because they're the dumb ones. Um, the dumb ones, quote unquote. Yeah, I mean, in, in you know, in, in uh, basic training, you know, you're doing your fucking cadences, and am- ammo would walk by, and if you ain't ammo, you ain't shit. Our, all you hear from our flights, your mom, fuck you, faggots. <laughs> but, so this sounds you know, a lot like the cavalry and infantry. I mean, yeah, it's, it's just like no, nobody. I've never met anybody who really gives a shit about anybody except ammo. So if there was any rival, I'd say ammo versus everybody. But nothing as far as, like, the F-15 guys hate the A-10 guys or stuff like that? God, no. We all wish we worked on A-10s. But, uh, I mean, we call F-16s lawn darts. We give them shit because their back shop is called, we call it two-level maintenance. So that means you take a, a part off a plane, they put in their test equipment, test equipment says, hey, this is bad. They just send it to Boeing. They don't work on it. They don't break it open. They do anything. F-15s, we don't have that luxury. We're called three-level uh, three maintenance. So that means, hey, it's broken. Now you got to fix it. Oh, cool. They don't make those parts anymore. Better get the fucking soldering iron out and find some duct tape. Like, you have to fix it. Hmm. So there's a little riff just thinking there. Like, like you guys don't actually know how to fix anything because you don't fix anything. <laughs> but, but I mean, we're still all at the broad drinking beer together laughing. So it's not like a rivalry rivalry. That's cool. I did not know that. So yeah. how... Like, on a scale of 1 to 10, 1 being a caveman could do it, 10 being rocket scientist, how hard would you say it is doing things like the avionics and, like, all of that shit that goes into, um, goes into you know, aircraft uh, electronics and stuff like that? Well, the Air Force has things called TO, technical orders, and they wrote these things so i could probably hand this book to anybody on the street and if they've just read if they could read at probably an eighth grade level they could do the job <laughs> the only thing that comes with learning is just either troubleshooting the fault or you know knowing the the workings behind it why is it giving this fault like but it comes to just like swapping parts or like hey you know this unit is bad i need you to take out the a5 in it cool you just open this book and it says a5 remove these two screws it shows pictures of the screws it shows you what to use it shows you use a screwdriver it shows what size screwdriver like it shows everything cool take this hard line off shows a picture of the hard line shows the fucking wrench you're supposed to use like if when the actual physical taking things apart like i could give it to a cat and a cat could probably do it okay good to know that the military still dumbs down everything across all levels yes absolutely but when it comes to actually troubleshooting, so like, oh, hey, you know, this, the the unit everyone hated was a uh, LRU-6C. Those are my babies because everyone hated them. It's like literally like Legos. It's so much shit packed into this little like 10-inch by 12-inch box. And there's like 
seven assemblies in this thing and it just all goes in a certain way i found it fun so like actually figuring out what what part of that unit is bad that takes a little bit of work and getting used to and you got to kind of use your brain a little bit but if i just said hey i need you to take this unit apart here's the book anybody could do it hmm. interesting how how often did you like have to actually like replace things uh oh all the time all that all the equipment is fucking 20 years old <laughs> like, they never upgraded shit which made no sense to me like we have a unit called a dear god they never came in uh wasn't the 210 was it? it's this little oblong black box and it has like 30 little three inch by three inch square circuit cards that go in this thing and boeing came to the air force and was like hey Oh, and it was a total bitch to troubleshoot. Never called the right thing. You couldn't get the cards. You couldn't do anything. And Boeing was like, hey, I can sell you the new unit that can replace that whole thing. And he's like, it's just one circuit card. You just That's it. It's either good or bad, and that's it. The Air Force was like, nah, we're good, man. Thanks. <laughs> so it's just like shit like that. Like, There's so many upgrades out there, but the Air Force was like, nah, we're good. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Like, you know, you can't buy those parts anymore. Yeah, we'll figure it out. Don't worry about it. Is it even on the same level of if it ain't broke, don't fix it, but it's actually pretty broke, but they just decide not to fix it type thing? It's, pre it's pretty broke. Um, our, we, our favorite saying was double bubble it. So there's like the little uh, two-part epoxy. They literally come in like fucking boxes that look like, you know, baseball card boxes. And there's just like hundreds of these packs of double bubble in there and you just fold it rip it mix it and it glues anything and that was like our go-to like the little dipoles on the antenna like a lot of people don't know that if you see like the sharp point or the nose cone of an airplane that whole thing turns sideways and it takes off and it's just a flat thing and that's usually the radar hmm. for the f-15 it looks literally like a pizza pan that's probably four feet by four feet um, just a flat circle and it's like the front of it's covered in cellophane and it has these things called dipoles. So there's little, these little like T-shaped pieces of metal sticking all over the front of this pizza pan. And this thing sits on a gimbal. So it's hydraulic powered. And it, if you took the cone off while you're flying and, and so you could see it, don't ever do it. Um, but it moves around like an eyeball. It's looking. That's what's, that's what's locking. That's what's looking for radar signatures. It's just, it's constantly moving. Huh. Um, but those things break off all the time and like, like, oh, well, we replace everything. Like, yeah, we're not doing that. Where's the double bubble? So, like, I'm, I guarantee you probably all the dipoles on every antenna in there on this goddamn glued in place. As far as, like, advanced goes, like, compared to other, I guess, aircraft or nations, the F-15, like you've mentioned, it's been around since, what, the late 80s, early 90s? Yeah. Uh, is it still a impressive... Uh, aircraft even now that's hard to answer because when you look at things like the f-22 and shit it's like well let's ignore that, no <laughs> but is it still a cool airframe yeah it is they're still they're still cool to watch okay. i mean the fucking two engines on those things are massive and when those things fucking fire up it just shakes the earth and when they take off full afterburner it's I don't care who you are. It still kind of makes your heart flutter. You're like, God, that's fucking cool. <laughs> <laughs> when it's dark out and you just see like the fucking like 20 foot fucking contrail sticking out behind you. Like, all right, that's fucking tits. Jeez. 
I was going to say, I mean, besides the F-22, you know, the I one mean, that everyone... everything we have besides the A-10 is more advanced than the F-15. <laughs> the F-16s, we talk a lot of shit, but they're two-level maintenance because they're still new. They're still under warranty. That's what two-level is. It's broke. Send it off. Um, under but, warranty. Like, their A-10 assembly, like, their A-10 assembly, one person can just pull it off. Like, it doesn't even look anything like the F-15 and 10. It's not a, as far as I know, it doesn't. I don't know how it works, honestly, because, like, it makes sense how the F-15 works. You have your gibble, and it's just, like, this thing looks around and spits out fucking radiation trying to pick up RF signals. The F-16's radar looks like this odd-shaped box. Like, is there something inside it that's moving around? Like, what if? what is this? It's magic. What is this, a radar for ants? <laughs> so, like, I, don't, I mean, there's, there's some cool stuff. We, uh, my third deployment they opened our shop to everyone. So F-15s was in one corner, C-17s, which is a cargo plane, was in one corner, B-1s was in the other corner, and F-16s was in one. And B-1s, God, those planes are fucking cool. (laughs) Uh, Remind the folks which one the uh, B-1 is. B-1, they call them bones. Those are the fucking huge bombers that are powered by jet engines. (laughs) They have four of the F-15 engines. Jesus. Yeah, watching those things take off at night will give anyone an erection, even if you don't have a penis. <laughs> that has to be one of the greatest quotes that I've heard, <laughs> just in general. You always know when they take off. The whole base fucking shakes. Uh, but, they're, but they're a straight bomber. There's no other. All they do is drop lots of bombs. So the B-1 is that one. Uh, the B-2, you know, the spirit, the one that everyone hopefully that knows. doesn't exist. <laughs> <laughs> have you ever... Like, service. No, they're not. <laughs> have you ever seen, like, one of those, like, in nope. action or fly? Nope. They were supposedly out of service, and we don't fly those anymore, but yeah, no, we do. Ah, good old secret squirrel stuff. Oh, yeah. And the more advanced technology gets for the civilian population, like, it's so hard for this shit to remain secret. (laughs) (laughs) We don't use it anymore. Well, the cell phone video says there's one flying right there. Damn it. Like, everyone has a fucking cell phone camera. Everybody. Middle East. People have it. How? I don't know. Daggum social media. That's awesome, though, that you got to see and work on, like, these millions of dollars of just what the human mind can... Yeah. Like, what goes into it? Like, we give props a bunch of shit, because, like, the first girl I dated in the military, she was a props girl, like, so... But if you ever saw one of those engines just sitting on a fucking rack when they're working on it, like... it's just insane. Like, how does this fucking work? There's like three billion pieces, like, and everyone here's drunk and they still fly. <laughs> and I don't get it. <laughs> oh, nothing screams America like just <laughs> knowing. I mean, that's that. the worst part. It's just like everyone is drinking. That was the hardest part for me to accept when, you know, just coming out of tech school, Mr. You know, straight laced and shiny boots and, you know, it's like, everyone is fucking drunk. If they're E5 and below, they're drunk. 
Uh, Uncle Sam's uh, Aviation brought to you by Pabst Blue Ribbon. Oh, God. <laughs> it's so true. It's sad. <laughs> it's amazing, but sad at the same time. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm just picturing that commercial just like, oh, what's uh, what's American's aircraft run on? Uh, American Ingenuity and Jack Daniels. Just have fucking some dude with a mullet pouring it in a gas tank. <laughs> fucking blue ribbon. <laughs> oh my god. That's that's still incredible. Like <laughs> nah, like I know you you were like worried and everything, but I have to say, like, I'm still impressed. Like, you got to work on these incredible aircraft. You got to like that was your job. Like, getting to fix those things and being like, yep, that thing's going to go and uh, probably drop some warheads on foreheads. Oh, yeah. Anytime. That, that was probably the cool, I don't know, I get, nowadays people frown upon it for some reason. I'm like, we're the military. Our job is to kill things. That's it. Doesn't matter what branch you're in. Your job is to kill somebody. That's it. And, like, anytime, a pl- if you had a B-1 taken off or an F-15 taken off. It was going to kill people. Like, that's its only purpose. That's the only reason we are over here. <laughs> what other purpose do you think it... What is a bomber going to do on a humanitarian mission? Nothing. It's it's dropping teddy bears, man. Oh, yeah. I wouldn't <laughs> want to catch one. Uh, I think, as my uh, one of my favorite TikTokers says, uh, those... The aircraft that you work on pretty much change your sexual orientation from uh, nothing because the only thing you're going to be fucking is dead. And <laughs> I, I can wholeheartedly say that whenever it comes to everything that we have, it just makes you fucking deader. And we just make even more things that make people more deader than they were, you know, five years ago. Our only job is to unalive you. <laughs> oh. Nah, I think it's I think it's fucking cool, man. Like I definitely wish I would have gone Air Force. I know that's what my uh family would have wanted me to go into, but I was dumb and I wanted to go do a combat job with the uh United States Army. Where if something's being done right, it's not being done by the United States Army. <laughs> I love that well, quote. Well, you lose a lot of faith if you realize that we don't do a lot of shit right either. <laughs> but well, I mean, I mean, there's no, there's no perfect answer because I mean, I'm, I'm in the same road. Like, I, I still wish that you know I would have went in the Marines with Brian, just because I feel like that is what I want to do to this day. After knowing everything I know, that's probably still what I think I would have been better at. But it did set me up good after the military. So you know, it's like. Do you want to do something that's fun, or do you want something that'll translate well to the civilian world? I'm like, ah, that's a tough one. Like, I don't think, I don't think I could give you a solid answer even back then. Like, I don't know. Oh, I definitely wish I had something that would have translated well. <laughs> <laughs> uh, actually, that was something I was going to ask you. Uh, so, you did how many years total? Uh, it's kind of a weird number because I was deployed and they had extend me. I was going past my enlistment while I was deployed. Um, so total over eight years. Didn't quite hit the 10-year mark. Okay. So you ended up doing, you know, eight years in the United States Air Force, maintaining this, you know, impressive death machine that even though it was by this time, you know, two decades old, 
almost old enough to have a beer or probably was old enough to have oh, a beer. Oh, yeah, way, way past that. We're pushing 30 <laughs> by the time. <laughs> oh, so this thing's about to go through its midlife crisis. Yes. <laughs> but you spent all this time working on this thing. Like, after the military, after you got out, how did that help you? Like, what are you doing now? Honestly, I can't really contribute a whole lot to the Air Force because, honestly, me separating was the moment I realized that I probably fucked up. Because <laughs> I was the, you know, I partied my entire enlistment. I was good at my job, but I I had a, thought that was a security blanket when it wasn't. So I kept missing promotion by, like, a point here. And I was like, oh, well, I'll get it next year because time and rank and time and service, you know, you'll get it. Oh, we bumped the limit up. I missed the next the testing for uh, for staff. I missed it by two points the next year. I was like, "What the fuck?" And I even and I went up fifteen points, so I would have made it the year before, but they upped the points, so now I missed it again. Then the next year, the next, and I kept missing it by like <laughs> two, three points because they kept opening it by like fifteen points at a time. Eventually, my I ran out of my security blanket. And then when Obama did the whole thing of uh, you know you can be an E four so long now and then you're gone, so then it was Air Force was like, "Yep, thanks for your service. Bye." Gave me a check for twenty grand and sent me on my way. Hmm. I was like, "Oh shit!" And that was kind of like my wake up call. Like, what the fuck am I gonna do? I was planning on retiring. <laughs> so, uh, kind of the girl I was me, me and uh, one of my military buddies. We uh, bounced at a country bar. We started dating the bartenders while I was still in the military. Um, so the girl I was dating at the time, they uh, she was like, you know. Like, well, let's go back to Alaska, work on the slope, you know, six digits, easy job, whatever. And she's like, well, I'm not leaving North Carolina. My family's here. I was like, oh, fuck. Okay. Um, all right. Big titties. Okay. Um, <laughs> so I was like, so I went to those, uh, one of those, uh, not programs, one of those companies that like place, help place military uh, members into civilian jobs. And uh, they were really, really cool. Set me up to a couple job fairs and um, ended up finding a job in, uh, Troutman, in North Carolina, so it was about three and a half hours away. <laughs> and I was like, all right, so, you know, signed a contract with them, rented a U-Haul, packed all her shit up, drove it over here, dropped it off. They set me up in this, like, beautiful three-bedroom, two-bath apartment, fucking fully furnished granite countertops, like, totally overboard. I'm like, this is, all right, this is tits. So I drive three and a half hours back, drop off my fucking U-Haul, and get my Corolla, and she was like, yeah, I don't think we're going to work out. No. Well, I signed a contract, so I guess bye. <laughs> so I left that night and I moved to uh, Mooresville, North Carolina, not knowing a single person. And then uh, started dating a stripper, got mixed up in you know not the, not the best situations here and there, and uh, kind of did fuck all for about a year. And then uh, had a buddy I worked with there at the. Uh, the job was in Troutman. I lived in Mooresville. It's literally a stone throw away. So he was like, his mom worked at this place called Niagara Water. And he was like, she's trying to get me to go over there. And I was like, well, fuck, go check it out. He did an interview and he was like, dude, you got to come over to this place. It's beautiful. We're working in like fucking powdered metal factory, like laying in oil and powdered metal. It's fucking horrible. Like OSHA has no power here. <laughs> <laughs> So then I put my interview in to go over there and I'm like, oh my God, this is so clean. <laughs> and I've been in Niagara for pushing six years now. 
ended up uh, meeting my wife through a mutual friend when I went down to hang out in Florida. So I was like, wow, maybe maybe dating a respectable woman is kind of a good idea. So I went back, dumped the stripper, and uh, <laughs> married a teacher. <laughs> Man, nothing about that doesn't scream typical military dude. <laughs> right through and through. It's all I knew. <laughs> But in the end, everything worked out. You got a good family, from what I hear. Yeah, yeah, they're they push it, but they're they're good people. A little <laughs> one's shady, but oh, they always are. <laughs> Old drunk midget's the only thing I can explain kids as. <laughs> What's well, like having a kid? It's like chasing a drunk midget twenty four seven. That sounds accurate. <laughs> Unless you have one like I do that has all the ADHD that you have, and then it's more like a coked out midget. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Brian always gives me shit. He's like, "Yeah, you probably shouldn't have done so much of blow. Transfer to the kid." I'm like, "Yeah, yeah." So there's <laughs> that. Uh but yeah, we're coming up on that uh, time that limit, mark. or we're probably past it. Yeah, we're p- past it. Uh, <laughs> I just want to say, <laughs> seriously, uh, thank you for coming on. Uh, definitely answered a lot of questions definitely entertaining that's that's a fact <laughs> we didn't even get any entertaining stories but most of those were civilian side while active duty <laughs> mm. but now again uh thank you thank you for coming on and uh thank you for uh you know letting me do this no i appreciate the opportunity i think it's i think it's cool i love i, don't know, I support anything anything military but especially something like this showing you know, I think this kind of brings it to the civilian population if they're curious, like, you know, what is it really like? Like, everyone sees what we see on TV and everyone sees what, you know, the command expects you to say in public areas. But, like, what is it really like? <laughs> uh, apparently full of a bunch of drunk maintain- uh, maintainers uh, making sure that our death machines work. <laughs> For the most part. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty much it. Uh, but... Yeah, i so glad you came on. So glad that you got to share. Uh, hopefully in the future, uh, there are going to be some discussionary uh, uh, episodes where we just talk about just normal things that are day-to-day in the military, get different opinions on them, you know, some group chat type things as well. And hopefully we'll get to see you again. I'm always around. I appreciate the opportunity, and I'll be listening, that's for sure. Ah, thank you. <laughs> but anyways, uh, again, official thank you from the Smoke Check podcast. This was Mr. Patterson, Air Force maintainer of the F-15. Is it Eagle? Uh, yep, they're called Strike Eagles, the F-15E models. You have C's. I don't even think A's are around anymore. Is there an A? I don't know. It was E's. That's all we had for us. <laughs> <laughs> But nonetheless, a jet mechanic, a uh, wonder of aviation and uh, death dealing. Uh, so glad that Making you got to come on. <laughs> <laughs> so glad that you got to come on. And for all of you that uh, tuned in, I hope you really enjoyed this. Hopefully not a lot of you get pissed off uh, now knowing how <laughs> apparently great the Air Force fucking is. Because I already knew it was great. I didn't know it was that fucking great. I didn't know it was every Wednesday. <laughs> every fucking Wednesday. 
Wait, wait, wait. Main lobster or what the Floridians call a lobster? Oh, I, I mean, anyone who's a lobster connoisseur would probably say, oh, that's not even a lobster, but I don't I don't like a lobster, so I never got it. <laughs> you know, it's military-grade stuff, so you know, the steak's well, well done and charred, but hey, it's steak. Mm. And apparently having a pool in the desert, getting to have nice AC sometimes. And as we uh, have found out, uh, not running away from mortars because they don't hit anything. Apparently, <laughs> apparently they've never hit anything. So Look at the new guy. What an idiot. He's <laughs> freaking out. So thank you for all of you that have uh, tuned in. Thank you for listening. Hopefully uh, we'll be more into a regular uh, programming, as it were. And we'll get some more uh, other uh, unique... Uh, What's the word I'm looking for here? Uh, perspectives. perspectives. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Unique perspectives. Uh, you know, Army, Air Force, maybe a Marine now and then if they're not too busy eating a crown. Uh, yeah, well, we, base and I could both set you up with a Marine. <laughs> bet. <laughs> bet. And, yeah, thank you all for tuning in. This was, once again, your favorite chubby E4 specialist, Rogan. Uh, thank you for coming to the Smoke Shack. Have a good evening, good morning, whatever it happens to be. And again, thank you, Mr. Patterson. Pleasure. And that's the Smoke Shack. Bye!